Hello, friends, and welcome to Silo Busting. I'm your host, Kenji Ross, a strategist at EPAM Continuum. The internet is a vast place, mirroring the complexity and diversity of the physical world. It's got etiquettes of its own, subcultures, places of light and dark. And just like the material world, fads, trends, and fashions come and go. Today, the terms on everyone's lips are metaverse and web3. Will these be part of the fabric of the internet going forward, or merely a passing craze? Well, if you ask our experts, Alexandra Sasha Pitkevich, EPAM's blockchain lead, and Christina Garces, CEO of Optiva Media, in conversation with our producer Ken Gordon, they'd tell you that we're already past the fad part and on to the part where we invent awesome things. In today's episode of Silo Busting, you'll hear about EPAM's work on blockchain security and preparing organizations for an interoperable future. No matter the new technology, our question remains the same. What do you want to achieve with it? You'll also hear today's security and social concerns updated for tomorrow, with an important emphasis on how brands and consumers will interact with the guidance of community managers. And if, like me, you're skeptical about a science fiction-derived future, you'll enjoy hearing a conversation with the people that are actually working on it. Let's listen in. Today on Silo Busting, we're going to try and untangle the differences between Web3 and the metaverse. Christina, Sasha, how do we differentiate between these two big ideas? Well, uh, on my side, uh, you know, I'm doing a lot of blockchain and a lot of Web3. And for me, a metaverse, you know, it's just a presentation layer. That's the... uh, That's the array of all the possible uh, virtual reality, augmented reality, uh, probably interconnected. Uh, But my blockchain world and my Web3 world is uh, underlying backend for metaverse. And obviously, I'm very confused when the people are mistaken uh, and when they're coming to me saying, if I can build the metaverse for them, I will say, yes, we can support that. Well, can support that to like pretty much extent, but how it will look like? There's like other people like Christina, they are doing that. Yes, um, it is true that there's a lot of confusion between uh, Web3 and Metaverse, and people use the terms indistinctly, and uh, it's uh, they're, they're they're different. Metaverse relies on top of the um, on Web3 on top of Web3, and Metaverse is the the real definition is an, an interconnected virtual world where you can find different experiences. They can be centralized or decentralized. I'm sure as Sasha will say that only metaverse <laughs> is decentralized. <laughs> but we know that there are some companies out there that are building their centralized uh, metaverse, such as uh, Meta or even Roblox today. Well, I actually wouldn't insist on decentralization. I would say that it's like, well, I I really support this because basically uh, you have this immersive experience. Like for me, the metaverse is the way how users interact with the applications, how users interact with each other in virtual world. And that's mainly about that. And how decentralized or centralized the backend is, that uh, doesn't matter when we speak about metaverse, but when we speak about Web3, that's much more decentralized because Web3 is all about the centralization of internet. 
Now, in your work, you 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 both talk to many many different people from different industries, different kinds of people. Can you kind of speculate why there is so much confusion uh, about um, these two topics? Why people are confusing Web three for the metaverse and vice versa? What's going on there? Well, for me, that's mainly you know bad timing, coincidence, because both terms are appeared at the market at the same time. Both terms got quite some, but well, they introduced the new ways to to do things, and uh, and both things are, are like well followed by a lot of hype. So for the people who are not really trying to understand or not really trying to go deep into the concepts, it looks kind of the same because I mean, internet, new internet. Uh, I bought Oculus. Everybody speaks about that. And also, there is one term which connects both. This is NFT. And uh, basically, this term that belongs, uh, well, that's a separate definition. It's non-fungible token. Uh, but it's used in both worlds. And so people who are coming from, like, you know, financial or, like, crypto investors world, for them, looking from the NFT owning position, the term connects both worlds. And that's why it creates confusion, I think. Because like uh, for Web3, NFT is a token, uh, the token, like well, the set of the tokens, each of them is unique and each of them can carry certain attributes which are used in metaverse, which are bringing items in the metaverse, which are bringing qualities to uh, avatars, which are bringing objects and claiming the ownership of the certain objects or lands in metaverse. And so uh, when the discussion or when the topic is around cryptocurrencies and NFTs, that's immediately brings both topics, Web3 and the metaverse, and the people are confused. Mm-hmm. How about you, Christina? I think, yeah, I think it's even before that because uh, I think most of the people are not that technically savvy. So we're talking about concepts that they cannot even relate to uh, to what's surrounding them. So, so I mean, most of the people have never uh, wear uh, have never wear the uh, virtual glasses, so they they don't really know what what we're talking about. So. Sometimes when people ask me, you know, what is metaverse? If they're a certain age, I say, you remember Second Life? Well, that was a kind of a metaverse. <laughs> and they say, ah, I start to understand now. So really, they, they, they don't even know what to relate to when we talk about metaverse and Web3. People are, are not that technical, really. They're users, and we're talking about concepts that that are complicated for them to understand. They don't understand metaverse as a, as somewhere where they're going to explore, experiment, uh, uh, socialize. So th- they need some explanation. And we're not being very... Uh, it's, it's difficult to explain when you haven't really uh, um, lived it. It's also probably uh, because of the science fiction. You know, the term metaverse came to us from Snow Crash of Neil Stephenson. Right. And there are a lot of uh, sci-fi books which are speculate about the metaverse, what it is. Well, I don't know much books about Web3, but about metaverse, there are quite some of them. And in those books, uh, well, that can be pretty much everything uh, because they are sci-fi books. And the people who are not that advanced in the technology, but reading a lot, they also mix in the term because for them it came not from the reality but from the books. 
Yeah, no, it, it sounds like you guys both have uh, a lot of work to do just in terms of educating people um, through the conversation, which is great, which is part of the reason we're having this conversation right now to help sort of speed things along in that process. Now, the last time we talked, one of the things we spoke about was this concept of interoperability and how this functions. Uh, can we talk a little bit about that, Sasha, and, and talk a little bit about how we can have so important here when we're talking about I'll start on this one because I'll I'll, I'll do oh. the easy part. <laughs> so interoperability is you buy an object in one virtual world and you're able to use it in another virtual world. I see. I think the concept is easy to grasp. Uh, so you buy you buy a pair of sneakers in uh, Fortnite and you're able to wear this pair of sneakers in another virtual world, such as Roblox, for example. And now I'll let Sasha explain the, uh, yeah. <laughs> the layers. Yeah, I, I, I'm happy, Christina, that you started because now I would like to extend that. The interoperability here is, well, for me, is much wider. That's not only bringing the object from one virtual world to another virtual world. For me, that's the bringing the object from the reality. I mean, buying the pair of Nike or Adidas sneakers somewhere and then bringing the digital twin of that into your Fortnite game. Buying the Burberry outfit and having something like this in, in one of the games. Or coming to the game shop, I mean, in a game. Or winning that in a game battle. And then coming to the real shop and materializing the object. Or... Uh, buying something on auction and then obtaining the ticket to uh, one of the virtual events or doing a series of actions in a community, a helping community, uh, earning a certain reputation and being rewarded by the uh, like certain ticket or series of the tickets or probability to uh, participate in in a game to win a ticket and then come to the privileged virtual launch of the brand or uh, of like privileged event. Uh, all of this for me, interoperability. And all of like, like, you can see that most of the things which I mentioned, at least at one end, had this virtual reality, this metaverse realm. But it can be like several realms and, and they are interconnected, but it's also connections to the real world. And that's a connections to the both directions. Remember the case where you bought something in a game and then you have like you have the rights to have something in a real world. That's possible. And there are much more complex use cases, and and most of the use cases now they are involving you know social interaction, social like the community based, uh, loyalty based uh, algorithms, because yeah, that's the future. That's where the world is going. We were speaking about that in our previous uh, Web three podcast. With metaverse, that's the same. That's about the way of new like new type of the social interaction between people. Yeah, and we see a lot of the the sort of standalone virtual communities being built right now, but they don't have that interoperability yet. And that's sort of part of the evolution, is that right? Then sort of uh, that's what we're moving toward, I think. Is that sound fair? Yes, this is where we're going. I mean, uh, today 
but today there are no there are standards, but uh, everybody's using those standards in a proprietary way, so to say. So there is a lot to go to uh, to uh, inter- to make the, these worlds interoperable, especially because some companies are not interested at all to make them interoperable. Uh, for example, I think that uh, Meta is one of the companies that will try to maintain the community inside um, because they're going to base it on commerce and they will, ha- will want to have a share of uh, each transaction. So yeah. not sure they will be interested in opening up. Right. And opening up would lead to sort of more uh, opening up business opportunities, right? And revenue models and, and sort of all that sort of thing. It's sh- sharing data about your customers or your uh, players or whatever you want to call them is uh, is also an exchange of data. And uh, these companies are very uh, private about the data that they have. Mm-hmm. I do see that there are like probably baby steps, but in other areas, there are like much bigger steps. I do not really believe that you can stay at the market for the long time, being be like, like keeping your data silo because like, well, and keeping your technology silo because well, the more and more like smaller companies, uh, like uh, smaller social networks, they're, uh, they're integrating. Uh, they're, combining forces which means that it's uh, like they're growing being at the size of the bigger companies and probably like and starting to compete with them and we do see this trend where uh, like you know uh, a couple of the smaller companies all together they're at the size or even bigger than the big companies and I do believe that also the use cases the modern use cases of the social interaction will provoke integration will provoke opening up even for like you know traditionally well-known silo uh, companies well I really hope for that because well they're all web free stack they're all decentralized internet and and I also believe that the concept of metaverse is, is about that is about connecting everything around like having this uh, the virtual globe on top of the our physical globe. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, one of the things I think about is that sort of this this need for this sort of borderless uh, metaverse, this sort of exactly. place where you can move is 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 it's real and it will be very beneficial. But it also probably creates a lot of uh, security and safety risks, and it also uh, is probably making a lot of people sort of feeling. Um, just having to rethink their mindset. A lot of organizations in terms of sharing and things like that. Um, do you find your customers are, are sort of feeling these kinds of feelings as they as you as you work with people to start to build these worlds? Well, I do see a lot of I mean uh, a lot of need to do so and a lot of you know understanding. But here I would like to add that indeed can the world needs to change a lot. Mm-hmm. And when we're speaking about the metaverse, that's mainly in terms of, you know, in terms of the right management. Because we still have, you know, those DVDs with the regions. And you know, there are no regions in metaverse. And mm-hmm. we still like, you know, the usage of like uh content and the rights to of content of being used that, that needs to be recreated for, for the metaverse usage. That needs to be recreated. Like, well, in internet, there are already a lot of, you know, uh, all our 
precious devices like uh, like you know like the Google, like Amazon devices, which are working only in one region or being able to play your music only in one region. And when you move the countries, you meet the huge problems. And metaverse, those problems appear to be much bigger. And the whole concept of the right management, like okay, Web three is bringing this content and that like fairly paid content models, but they're still not at the level of the regulators. They're still not at the uh, levels of the common use. And I do believe that it would be the main challenge. I mean, security one, we know how to do the proper security for even very big networks or for the centralized networks. But how to maintain these content rights and intellectual property rights uh, facing the Uh, inability actually to track where physically people are and having no physical borders anymore. And the regulators are so behind. I mean, they're still regulating Internet 2.0 and they haven't even started uh, to think about this. So, And I think what's more important is we need to make Metaverse uh, a secure space, a safe space for everybody. And uh, we're seeing in this uh, initial... Uh, initiatives that there are already some issues around that, so there's a lot of work to be to be done uh, until it's fully operable. And but even in in um, in like standalone virtual worlds, we need to solve a lot of security security issues of the feeling because in the end you you have an identity, you have your avatar. You need to to make sure that you don't feel aggressed, that you don't feel that your space is being invaded. By, um, by, the, by other users. Yeah. And also the funny topic of identity theft. When we are speaking of the people who are living half in a physical world and a half in a virtual world, the term of identity theft is uh, well, relevant for both worlds. Because like you will need only like not only to protect your personal data of a real person, but you know... I'm, I'm pretty sure that uh, that's very soon would be spoken about that you will also need to protect the personal data of all your avatars because they appear to be gaining the social impact. They appear to be uh, having access to the certain things. They appear to grow the reputation. Mm-hmm. And also the property that you buy uh, on the metaverse, yeah. that being NFTs or... Uh, or uh... Or houses or whatever you need. Uh, there are there are already a lot of thefts that are happening, uh, even in what? some supposedly secure wallets. So, um, well, there that's my moment of glory because I would say that here <laughs> we know how to do so. And I mean, at EPAM we we do have the uh, blockchain security department, and we are working on a lot, and we consulting on that, and we know how to build this. Like you know, technology exists. And there are a lot of layers there. Uh, in some cases, we even produce the recommendations of like how to maintain that on a personal level. Uh, we are doing the community podcasts on that. But on a technology level, how to build a secure system and how to uh, protect the user data, how to protect the system data, how to transmit the data securely. What well, technology is already at the level to be able to provide that. And there are also like all the additional types like zero security level and all these uh, applications where you are not even sharing the data and not even transmitting the data and transmitting only 
the proof of evidence, which is not data, which is like basically we know that you are older than 18 years old, but how old are you? Nobody knows. And it's not transmitted. So I'm not that worried about the actual security when implemented properly. And that needs to be taken care of. I mean, I think the general point, it's fair to say, is that because there are these whole new worlds, whole new identities being created, it it sort of opens the door to sort of innovation for the bad guys, right? There yeah. are all kinds of new trolling that's going to be happening, new theft, and they're going to come with all kinds of new ways as we build these worlds of stealing from it. And it really is, it's something that the people, the organizations that are investing in it, are building this stuff really needs to take seriously, I think, and probably something the both of you have to prepare them for, right? Yes, and here I'm again banging the, the curve of our discussion to the social impact. Because one more time, it's all about social influence, even in virtual world. And you know how much influence now the celebrities or like the real influencer have in a, in a physical world. That works even more in the virtual world. And there are already influencers, like the virtual influencers. And when we're speaking about the uh, identity stolen, when we're speaking about what well, identity corrupted, or we, when we are speaking about the events which are falsely uh, associated with the wrong identity, all of these are, I mean, upcoming new variants of, you know, the cybercrime and they need to be taken care of because well, all of this about the social interaction at the end. Yeah, you know, Sasha, I know you have some extremely strong opinions about the role that community managers will play uh, in sort of evolving the metaverses out there. Uh, let's let's hear a little about y- your thoughts on community managers because I, I love this stuff. Let, can you can you tell the people about it, please? Well, for me, I mean, the the future of the use case, the majority of the use cases now, which I'm looking like in centralization in the metaverse, they lace in between brands, they lace in between business units and they are powered by the community interaction. They are powered by the uh, combination of uh, the user groups. And and basically, while we are doing the business, uh, we are trying to tailor uh, the user response, like what the services for the users uh, for those user groups. And the user groups are combining and they have their own uh, you know, now mechanisms. And uh, nowadays, the older modern brands, they do have community managers. They manage their community. And that's not only, you know, you broadcast for your community. No, that's normally when you are talking to your community and the community is talking back to you and the brand is valuing the community opinion and responding to that and responding quickly. And basically, uh, where recently I really heard about the KPIs of how the brand respond on a community and how the brand moves the product uh, on the demand of the community. And and the ways to interact with the communities nowadays are different. Previously, they were all, you know, broadcasting and the websites uh, with like news. Then there were forums. Currently, that's a lot uh, in terms of like, you know, Twitter, Telegram uh, communities, uh, channels. And also 
the communities are now like the actions in the community they are being monetized. A lot of blockchain power, a lot of NFT power is used to motivate users, to demotivate users, to motivate desired user behavior and demotivate not desired user behavior. That's the modern way for brands to actually manage their users. And therefore, the role of the community manager, which is a part most likely of the marketing department of the brand, appeared to be really strong and really important. And if you will look to the job positions, like the job openings, uh, well, that's one of the most popular. You can check like on all the monsters and headhunters and <laughs> all the those boards which are offering the IT jobs, for example. And yeah. uh, well, definitely the top within the top three, there would be the community manager. Um, Christina, do you see when you're working with people on these sorts of projects that they understand the, the pivotal nature of, of the community manager here? Uh, n- not really, <laughs> to be fair. <laughs> got to talk to Sasha. <laughs> yeah, our customers today, I think they're a bit far. They're still struggling to understand the metaverse. The role of the community manager in the metaverse is still a bit... Uh, <laughs> Far away, but I fully agree with uh, with Sasha that uh, a lot of the interactions within the metaverse are going to be driven by uh, community managers, and a lot of the use cases that we will see will be uh, will will be monitored and will be followed and will be encouraged by uh, community managers. And also, Sasha did not mention, which uh, we did the other day, is uh, the fact that community managers will not be their boundaries will not be only their metaverse but uh, or a specific virtual world, but they will also need to be community managers in other virtual worlds that are not, it's not necessarily their own. They will need to control uh, their, um, their community in different places. So we're also seeing an interconnection of community managers or of um, managing your community in different spaces that are not necessarily your own. And you can probably were like use not like the, the strong world of like word community manager because well that means like like for example the person who is having the seller or something we can instead use the word influencer because there are also decentralized communities where the community managers are changing where their uh, reputation based chosen. And there are those uh, guys like like token created uh, lists or token created forums, and again the power of blockchain helps there a lot. Uh, but the idea is that we will look to the use cases and interfaces to interact with the users, not only looking to the individual user but also to the groups of users and the various size group of users, which we call communities. Yeah, socializing and belonging is uh, are very strong in uh, in this user experience. Very, very strong. More than in other in Web two experience. I think in gaming, in gaming, we can see uh, where this has been started to evolve, uh, and it will continue to evolve. Cool. All right. Well, just before we go, one last thing. Um, if there, if you were to talk to, let's say, some organizational leaders uh, about there who are starting to get interested in sort of the metaverse, are, are there any particular questions they should ask themselves before they start talking to us? What what are what are the what are the key questions people should do if they if they if they want to understand what they're doing? Is there any particular sort of 
internal um, questioning they should do before they come to us and say, build me a, a metaverse, please? Usually they come with build me a metaverse, but... How do we help them move forward? That's what my question is. Um, what, is there anything they need to ask? Yeah, the whole thing is what, what are you trying to achieve with your metaverse? Uh, uh, yes. So that's the, that's the key question. So why do you want a metaverse? What do you want out of it? What are you trying to communicate? What are you want? What do you want the community to experience? Uh, so these are the questions that need to be uh, to be answered before starting a metaverse. But again, um, the fact that metaverse is a term that is not very well understood does not help. But you know, at IPAM we do have consultancy that helps you <laughs> to build your Web three and metaverse strategy, and we we are doing that for some companies. Fantastic. Sasha, any more questions we, uh, people should be asking themselves? Well, for me, question would be who you addressing your services to and how you do see this group of users today in three years and five years and how do you see your service there? I mean, for me, it's always important to understand Horizon 3 because everything which you do today should be, should target at the back what you will have in five years. And the technology moves so quickly that you'd better understand your groundings. You'd better understand what you actually would like to, to achieve. Fantastic. Let's come back in five years and revisit this conversation. We'll be surprised. We will meet in Metaverse, right? Wearing yes. Oculuses and having all those fantastic avatars who want to be even human beings, right? All right. That'll be the, that's where the podcast will be in five years. It'll be in the Metaverse. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, both. It was great. This has been Silo Busting, a podcast from EPAM Continuum. EPAM Continuum integrates business, experience, and technology consulting, focused on accelerating breakthrough ideas into meaningful impact. Why do we do this? Because real opportunities aren't siloed. Thanks to Sasha Pikevich and Christina Garces for their great conversation. Cheers to Kip Palalis, our sound engineer extraordinaire, for getting this podcast recorded. Applause to Ken Gordon, our producer, for leading another enjoyable discussion. I'm your host, Kenji Ross. Mm-hmm.